3: you heard it here first. The best hour of your day on Sports Grid starts now, with your host Kevin Walsh. One of the easy ones, Donnie, where you look at it and the complaint starts to be, "How am I might not that for more?" You know what I mean, like. And Donnie Wrightside, and I'd like to see all the weight and anger and might of the NCAA slash Big Ten smash that program into smithereens for the next three years on the Sports Grid Radio Network, Sirius XM Channel One Fifty Nine right here where you need to be people on a tuesday afternoon right here on the sports grid network it is money line solo mission today for your boy donnie right kevin off tuesday and wednesday will be returning back on thursday no nba action tonight get out the vote people it's your american right show up at the ballot box either way get your vote down for the red get your vote down for the blue get your vote down for the green whatever you want Let your voices be heard today because you know what, people, you're going to hear my voice today over the next hour because we're going to do a lot of backlogging here in the NFL. We're basically at the halfway point of the NFL season. We're going to go by division by division so you can win those divisions and talk about some of these football teams headed in the right direction, the wrong direction, or a misdirection here from what we feel. There's a lot of good stuff to hit overall, but as we said, Let's get down to the business here and set the table for the show. Now, before we get into the NFL, something has really stuck in the, uh, you know, into my, say, into my bones. let's leave it there. The Michigan Wolverine scandal here. I just want to get this out of the way because we talked about a little bit uh, this morning ad Lib on the early line, if you're listening to myself and Ben. It's pretty crazy to me because let, let's just start here, right? In the NCAA, you can't do certain things here, right? Over, you know, for the last 50 years, it used to be the cardinal sin is if a player took money or took property or took cars or anything to get ahead or maybe pick the school because of that, the NCAA heavily frowned upon that and would sanction you accordingly going back through the decades here. Coaches, the We always talk about the SEC, right? Dropping the bag off. Like, hey, man, I thought that guy was headed for uh, Clemson. Oh, look at that. On signing day, he went to LSU because of the quote-unquote bag man that left the backpack on the front porch and delivered that said player to a university. Whether or not it happened, you know it did. But you just couldn't prove it. The paper trail, whatever. It was just the cost of doing business in college football. However, if you did get caught, you got in big trouble. Particularly if you did pay your players like SMU did in the 1980s. SMU was famous. Why? No, not because the Pony Express with Eric Dickerson. Not because of that. It's because they were actively paying their players as if they were professional football players. Come to my school. Move down here. Your parents, your family will get houses. You'll get jobs. And you as a player, you will get paid weekly here. Several hundred, several thousand dollars, whatever it would be. SMU was caught red-handed. They got detonated. They got the death penalty. They got removed off of national television. All scholarships removed. And SMU was without a football program for a time being. How about that? That's when the NCAA used to have heavy-handed. The Miami Hurricanes in the 1990s, the Pell Grant scheme. Miami is on top of the world. Players felt that, hey, you know what? I can get some extra money here if we file these papers a little bit different than what we've been doing. A couple thousand bucks goes into the kids' hands. Miami gets smoked and is basically eviscerated off the map in the late 1990s. Butch Davis took back control there and got the Miami Hurricanes back on the right line. Reggie Bush broke the cardinal rule of college football. Don't take money. He took money. USC was penalized with loss of national championships, with loss of games won, and also, more importantly, the Heisman Trophy was taken away from Reggie Bush. Which that whole preamble brings us to today. Look, we see it all the time. Hugh Freeze. Do you remember Hugh Freeze in the SEC? Takes a job at Ole Miss, a downtrodden program at that point. And Hugh Freeze turns that into not a powerhouse, but like overnight. Like, hold on now. Oh, Miss just had the best recruiting class in the SEC? How did that happen here? I didn't do anything wrong. I just hit the pavement. I convinced these kids to come here. Yeah, he was paying just about every guy to come there. They got penalized. They got hammered for that. But Let's talk Michigan because this is something that we don't see all that much. We see in college basketball, Bruce Pearl, right? Recruiting violations. You want to have a barbecue, they basically threw him out of college basketball. You can't have barbecues with players, right? Cardinal rules that you cannot break. One of those is cheating in college football. It's called lack of institutional control. That's what the NCAA holds over you. And the Michigan investigation, that wormhole is getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And if you think Michigan didn't do anything wrong, nor Connor Stallions, then why was he fired from Michigan University if he did nothing wrong? Don't get me—he wasn't answering any questions here. To the oh, I don't, you, know, you know, he didn't show up for the meetings. Where he supposed to tell what was going on? No, we knew what was going on. So did he. He's just going to be protect the program. He'll be the fall guy, and so be it. Which then brings up the next point here, people. Jim Harbaugh, whether he knew or didn't know, it doesn't matter. He is a paid employee of Michigan football going on the road, buying tickets, stealing signals, videotaping, which is against the rules, and also just might be finding himself on the sideline of other institutions to get more intel for the Michigan Wolverines. But go ahead, Wolverines fans. He didn't do anything wrong. He only got fired for that, right? But he didn't do anything wrong. I I've always loved that. Hey, Donnie, uh, why are you working for Sports Grid anymore? I don't know. Well, it says here you got fired. Ah, yeah, but I don't really call it that, you know. Stop it. He got fired from Michigan for wrongdoings here. But the question of the matter comes up with the Big Ten and how much money is involved in Michigan football and Michigan athletics and the Big Ten having a place at the table in the college football playoff. If I'm the commissioner of the NCAA right now, Or better yet, if I'm the commissioner of the Big Ten, Michigan right now is being removed from the playoff process. Right now, being removed. Yeah, we'll go through the period of, you know, how much information you want to hand over. But for the time being right now, you are out of playoff contention. You will not appear in the Big Ten championship game. The second place team, if you end up in first place, will go ahead of you here. Because that's how big this scandal is. The fact of the matter, the Big Ten actually had a conference call with all the coaches. Jim Harbaugh had to hang up, and they let loose, and they were right. They're basically saying, let me get this straight. Just because they're winning and bringing in money, it's okay that they cheated and are going to affect my livelihood. Talking about the other coaches of the other institutions here. Ridiculous. And don't give me a suspension for Jim Harbaugh for two or three games. Nonsense. Jim Harbaugh should have a 10-year show cause in college football by the end of the season, which means he can't coach for 10 years in college football. I don't know who's downplaying this, but to me, one of the biggest scandals we've seen in college football in decades is taking place right now in Ann Arbor. Remove them from the process. See how they handle that. But, as I said, come on now. The Big Ten's going like, I hope everybody forgets this tomorrow because this is so much money we're going to lose if we actually do the right thing. Morals versus money, Big Ten style. Welcome to the party, Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, we're just getting it going today. On a Tuesday afternoon, we're going to talk a lot of NFL, a lot of hot topics, and really get after it. I'm Donnie Wrightside. This is Moneyline, and you are listening to the Sports Grid Network.
1: 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.
3: Right back out of here on Moneyline Sports Grid Network. Tuesday afternoon... It's your boy, Donnie right here, Solo Mission. If you want to get some phone calls in, go ahead and do it. 844-843-6879. Let's continue down the path. We're just hammering on Michigan and the Big Ten. Now, sometimes I just, you know, I'm in my mid-40s. And I'm a hater of a lot of things. Trust me, I am. But some of the things I look at, It makes me scratch my head. Maybe it's a newer generation. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just me at this point. As you know, I rail on Michigan, and I get upset with Reggie Bush, and it's just about, you know, don't be cheating. Don't be doing the wrong things, and don't ask for stuff to come back to you when you made a mistake. Just admit you were wrong. Move on. Everybody will be fine. Now, here's another one we're going to pick on here in college football. And it's not the kid's fault, trust me. And in a perfect world, this would never be the case. But contracts are contracts, and rules are rules. Hear me out on this. James Madison, who, by the way, the basketball team, upset win over Michigan State yesterday on the road. That's awesome. That's tremendous. That's college basketball at its finest there. But let's take a look at this report here. James Madison University, two years ago, elected to go Division I. And when you do that, it's a stupid rule. I'm admitting this right now. This is a dumb rule. I have no idea why it's come up, why it's implemented, but it's there. It's called a transition period, where let's just say you go FCS to FBS. So what used to be Division 1AA to Division 1A. I don't I have any idea why they went from FCS to FBS anyway. 1AA and, and single A was fantastic. It was so much easier to say, rolled off your tongue you have to think twice about, would oh, I get that right, FCS or FBS? Well, JMU leveled up in competition. And good for them. They're in the Sun Belt. They're unbeaten this year. They're a good football team. They're top 25. National championship contenders? No. But a good football team. Good for them. Good for the coaching staff, the fans, the players, the institution, everything. But they're petitioning the NCAA this year to say, it would be nice if we could play in postseason action. And maybe an outside shot at a New Year's Day bowl game for JMU. Now, you guys know my stance on bowl games. They're horrendous. You should actually petition the NCAA so you don't have to go to bowl games. That's my opinion. But JMU feels they've earned the right to go to a bowl game here. In a perfect world, I would say absolutely. Look how good they are on the football field. What is this transitionary period? Why is it there? Which, again, I would admit, I admit, it is the dumbest rule I've ever heard of. But it's a rule. I'm pretty sure when you sign on the dotted line to leave FCS and go to FBS, it says there in bold print, who knows what page it's on, who knows what article, section number it is, don't care. But it says, sign here, you go Division One, but you cannot play in a bowl game for two years. As dumb as that rule is, it's a rule. Why the outcry? Not fair to the kids. Stay in FCS, then, if you wanted to play for a national championship. And quite frankly, what's wrong with that? If you're dominating in FCS, how much fun is that? I never won a state championship in high school football. I never won a conference championship in college football. I never went to the playoffs in college football. Boy, that would have been fun. So the chance to level up in Division One for a new school here, it's like, hey, coach, who's we stay FCS here, man, we can win a national championship. I'll remember that for the rest of my life as opposed to, okay, I'm going to play some division football in the Sun Belt. I know what I signed up for. The transfer portal is there. If I don't like the fact that we're going Division One, I can't play in a bowl game. You can transfer right out of there and go to a school that can compete immediately to play Division One football and is doing that for some time and can go to a bowl game. I know it sounds harsh here. But the fact that JMU is appealing again, saying it's not fair, it is fair. JMU President Jonathan Alger, you signed on the bottom line, bottom line, Athletic Director Jeff Bourne. It's okay. Next year, you'll be able to go to a bowl game. You'll be able to fulfill that because you completed your contract. And yes, it's a stupid contract, but yet it is a contract here. Good season for JMU and also a little bit of, uh, you know, food for thought here. You're lucky you're not going to a bowl game. Because we don't want to be bored out of our mind with James Madison in a bowl game. Signed, Donnie Wrightside. College basketball. Hundreds of games on on the clock yesterday. Fantastic stuff. Just told you. JMU, football team can't go to a bowl game. Here's your consolation prize. You beat Michigan State on the road opening night in college basketball. That's great. But you know what else unfolded yesterday? Did I watch? No. Did I wake up and read the headlines? Yes, I did. LSU. National champions last year. The whole drama between Iowa and LSU in the final. And Angel Reese and waving her finger in Caitlin Clark's face. They lost opening night. They got blasted opening night. They're, they're the Globetrotters. They're an all-star team combined into one returning as national champions. They got better in the offseason by adding talent. They got hammered on a neutral court by the Colorado Buffaloes. Now, they're a good team. That's not as if, like, JMU in basketball went in and said, hey, we're going to handle our business, and we should be able to be the top five Michigan State team. Like, no, they're good. They're top 20. Kim Mulkey, after the game, head coach of LSU, was basically saying, hey, you know what? We were soft. Sometimes you can live with missing shots, and it's just not your night, but that wasn't the case here. We just got hammered. But that's a good thing for LSU. Can you fall, kids, that age, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, whatever? Off season, doing the party circuit, championship circuit, heads as big as balloons, mine would be huge. You telling me if I came off a national championship and we were coming back the next season, I wouldn't be out there letting it be known? Give me my NIL money, celebrate me, let me get in as many parades as I can do, as many television hits possible, as many ESPY awards I can be at. Yeah, I'd be all over the place as well. But if you're Kim Mulkey deep down, you probably love that loss. You probably loved that loss because now you can get those globe trotter, all-star players in there and go, all right, we did it your way this offseason. Maybe didn't take it as serious as we need to. Maybe we did work out hard, but just not as focused as we needed to be. Maybe in those practices in the preseason, I was telling you to work on your four corners offense or your press breaking offense, and maybe we just didn't be as focused as we needed to be. They get hammered opening night. Season's not over for LSU. They're going to be there in the end. There's a couple really good ball clubs in the country. South Carolina women's basketball, UConn women's basketball, obviously Iowa, LSU. They're going to be there. And they're going to be there for a long time. So if you saw that final score, ha-ha, good for them. It's really not the approach here. Kim Mulkey, deep down, probably saw that loss. He's like, this is a great teaching moment here for us to continue our season and see if we can repeat as national champions. No question about it. But that's the college topics for the day. Now we're going to set the table here in just a few moments for the NFL. And in particular, we're going to go back to last night. And when we talk about, you know, bad beats, bad bets that you get down, we all win at times. We all lose at times. Sometimes you just get upset with the way you bet sometimes and say, man, I should have saw that coming here. Why did I do that? Sunday night football, had a banger put together for a parlay about 6-1. to The only thing I needed on that was some rushing yards out of the quarterback, whose name is Joe Burrow. He didn't feel like running the football, and I lost there. You say to yourself, I might have outsmarted myself. But Monday night football, I had a really good read on that game. Thought the Chargers would win. They did. Thought the game would stay under the to- total. It did. Put together a parlay that had at least two catches out of Reese Hall. He got that. He got four. At least four catches out of Garrett Wilson to get seven or eight catches last night. And then Zach Wilson, the rush for 12 and a half yards, which he finally ran late in the game for seven. And that's what he finished with. Meanwhile, on the other side, Herbert, who's not really a runner, he got 17 yards. But the biggest disappointment for me yesterday was Brees Hall. Brees Hall, I needed 20 and a half receiving yards yesterday. If I told you he got four catches, you would be partying and think he got the over. If I told you the running backs combined were catching passes all over the place, you would have loved it. If I told you at a 20-yard reception and
2: it got called back,
3: you'd hate it. We'll be right back to talk about
1: Twenty-one plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call one eight hundred GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.
4: Do
1: cause I'm gonna- Oh, the news
3: breaks here in the afternoon. They wait for Moneyline. The NFL news dump always comes during Moneyline. we got some big stories to get to here. And I was talking about yesterday's Monday Night Football game. And come on, man. Like Bree saw a 20-yard reception in the fourth quarter. That got called back from a bogus block in the back that didn't need to happen. Which would have cashed my tickets. Would have had some fun last night. But instead, I got Ugats, as we like to say. But the NFL always keeps us entertained. There is no NBA tonight. So we're not going to be breaking down any action or talking about anything there in that aspect. But we are going to focus now on the NFL. Uh, Word comes down here. How about this? The Rams. Those Los Angeles Rams signing former Philadelphia Eagles slash Indianapolis Colts slash Washington commander Carson Wentz to a contract here. Probably to elevate. They saw what they got last week out of Brett and they was like, come on, man. We couldn't, even fun- we couldn't even function against the Packers who flat out stink. So now Wentz is in the fold. He's been trying to get back into the NFL. How much he has left, I don't know. But if there is a whisperer on a career to reinvigorate it, it would be Sean McVay of the Rams. You know, Baker Mayfield went there overnight and looked like a competent quarterback once again, which found him in a new job now down there in Tampa Bay. Obviously, Matt Stafford won a Super Bowl under Sean McVay. Jared Goff was there for a little bit, did okay. He got to a Super Bowl. So McVay is certainly a guy that can get you back on track here. We'll see if it works out for Carson Wentz. I don't know if it's going to. I don't really think it matters all that much because whether Carson Wentz plays or not, the Rams aren't a good football team overall anyway. So there you have it. But Carson Wentz on his way out to Los Angeles and Sean McVay. Now also on my timeline here, as I scroll back through because a lot of things are popping here in the NFL, can you believe it? There's a report coming out here. Let's just see if I can find our uh, good buddy Dove Kleiman. He says, rumors, Patriots owner Robert Kraft could move on from coach Bill Belichick if they lose in Germany to the Colts. Now, when we talk about franchises that are well run, typically the New England Patriots would come up here. Stability, good football players, an owner that would give his left arm for victories here. Meaning whatever financial means you need, he's got it. You need planes for the players, he's got it. You want to talk about players? Every single player that's ever played for the Patriots and talked about Robert Kraft in glowing terms. One of the better owners in the NFL by far. But when we talk about sometimes, you know, overstepping your boundaries here, and I don't mean that. It's like Robert Kraft can do whatever he wants. He could fire Bill Belichick tomorrow if he wanted to. But I always like these reports that come out, Right? Because if we're taking a look at the NFL standings here as I open them up, AFC East, Miami Dolphins, Buffalo Bills, New York Jets, New England Patriots. Miami Dolphins six and three in first place. Buffalo Bills five and four in second place. The New York Jets, with Zach Wilson at quarterback in third place at four and four after a disastrous night in the Meadowlands against the Chargers. The New England Patriots are two and seven on the football season. So let me ask you this question if you are an owner. Straight up for Robert Kraft here. What would change your mind of how poorly the Patriots have played through the first nine games of the season if they somehow beat a bad Indianapolis Colts team in Germany that Bill Belichick is your coach of the future? Do you see what I'm saying? See what I'm getting at here? Like, if he loses. So if he doesn't lose to the... Colts, you'd wait a week, and then if he loses the following week, he's gone? Why hasn't that decision been made already here? We all know the New England Patriots aren't making a charge to the playoffs. That's out. Their point differential on the season, a minus 93. The only team worse, the 2-7 and New York Giants. So if I'm Robert Kraft... And I have all these, you know, thoughts swirling around in my head. Is it really going to be it's week to week with Bill Belichick? Now, there's a couple schools of thought here. The NFL is a win-now league. I'm sure Robert Kraft is very appreciative of the wins that Bill Belichick has given him in Super Bowls, playoff victories, regular seasons, and how much money the New England Patriots have made since Bill Belichick has been their head coach. Yes, a lot of that has to be do with Tom Brady, but the mainstay there has always been Bill Belichick. But the regime is up, and a change is needed here. I'm not saying the game has passed Bill Belichick by, but some people just don't recover from having the single best football player to ever lace him up, and he hasn't recovered from that. Okay seasons here with Mac, but it's clear. You look at the Patriots, they're embarrassing. The defense isn't very good. That was always their calling card. Tom Brady would play with a good offensive line, mixed mash group of running backs and wide receivers, and a dominant tight end, and go out and win Super Bowl after Super Bowl after Super Bowl. But it's been clear since Tom Brady's left the New England Patriots, they are a shell of their former selves. And Bill Belichick, I, I'm, look, I, I like to hate, as I, I tell you all the time, I can't hate on Bill Belichick. He's had a wonderful career. But you could say, like, hey, Donnie, without Tom Brady, what is he? He's a bad football coach without Tom Brady. He's under 500, which means you're a bad football coach. But you can't take that away from Bill Belichick that he had Tom Brady and coached him up and they were great together. It's like saying Phil Jackson stunk as a head coach. And we'll say, well, he was really good with the Lakers. Yeah, he had Kobe and Shaq. He was really good with the Bulls. He had the best player maybe in the history of sports in Michael Jordan you see where I'm going with that? Like, we can't take that away and say, well, Phil Jackson would have been average if he didn't have those guys. No, he had those guys and coached him up and won championships. You can't take that away. You know, always has the best players in college basketball for like, you know, 20 years. You can't take that away. He did that. It wasn't just luck. He didn't flip a coin and like, hey, man, I want 100 straight coin flips. I'm a really good head coach. No, that's not the case here. But I'm just wondering where the Patriots go from here. Because you do walk that thin line. Do you want to embarrass Bill Belichick midseason? Y- your season is done. Like, w- what are you saying? Okay, let's remove Belichick from the equation. We'll give Bill O'Brien the head coaching job, and away we go to a playoff run. No, that team stinks. It's horrible. So sometimes if you're looking and saying, all right, well, I don't like the direction of the franchise. We're 500. I think if I fire Bill, we might be able to get a little bit of a charge here and make a run. That's not happening. We know that's not happening. So, if I'm like the the thanking of Bill Belichick is at least waiting till the end of the season and then saying, Hey, Bill, we know it's time to part ways. I'm not letting this get out here that I actually want to fire you. Call a press conference tomorrow. You know, let's mutually part ways here. Better off if we go our separate directions here. Thank you for all you've done for my franchise. You know, we'll see you at the uh, retirement ceremony and, you know, we'll have a nice day for you, just like we had Tom Brady Day and. You always be welcome here, up in Foxborough. That's the way to do it here. But the fact of the matter that Robert Kraft is like, hey, well, if you lose with a call this weekend, you're going to get fired. Stop it. That's a stupid way to run a franchise. Either you've already made your mind up and you're going to fire him or you're just going to let him ride out the rest of the season and get started on your head coach next year and say, Hey, Bill, you're 2-7 and at this point here. Uh, Why don't you just stay at two wins the entire season and we'll get ourselves a really good quarterback and then I'll fire you at the end of the season so another coach in the new millennium can actually coach this guy up. But you'd be crazy to think that coaches wouldn't kill to get a job with the New England Patriots. To have an owner like Robert Kraft basically give you the keys to the franchise, the financial means to succeed and do it your own way for that long, that's appealing. It's like the Pittsburgh Steelers, man. If you want to be a coach with the Pittsburgh Steelers, they will hang on to you and give you every single opportunity to succeed. And that's not even a big money market where they splash free agency all the time. They do it the old school way. Continuity, win through the draft, keep your own players in house, and away you go. I think Mike Tomlin likes being a Steelers head coach, knowing he has that front office that's behind him all the time. I mean, now, granted, he doesn't have losing seasons, but he doesn't have to look over his shoulder. I mean, my goodness. They've had, like, three coaches in, like, 60 years, it feels like. That's continuity that you would want to be with. That's why you would want to be a coach if you're New England. Hey, man, how many coaches have you had over the past 25 years? One. (laughs) Sign me up for that job. Sounds like you're going to give me the benefit of the doubt even when things aren't going correct and you'll be able to handle your business here. All right, let's set the table here for the football weekend that is coming up. And guys, we got treated last weekend to a great game overseas to start the day. The 1 o'clock hour, which we thought was going to be a great game in a marquee matchup, Baltimore Baltimore Ravens taking on the Seattle Seahawks. Then we were treated to an awesome game at 4 o'clock. Between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. And we ended our Sunday night with a banger as well. An entertaining game between the Buffalo Bills and also the Cincinnati Bengals. You're not getting that this weekend here. And by a wide stretch. Take a look at the primetime games this week, people. Thursday night football. It's Carolina and Chicago. Good grief. Good grief. The Germany game. The Indianapolis Colts who stink. Now granted, they made me some money last weekend with the team total to the over. Thank you for that. But they stink. Versus doing the Patriots. They think. It's football. We'll watch it. We'll be live here at Pro Football today as we go over that game. Probably have some bets in. But that's going to be a tough one to watch. We do have Cleveland-Baltimore at 1 o'clock. Rejoice. Houston. Good football team. Going up against Cincinnati. We might be able to enjoy ourselves there. San Francisco-Jackson. Of course. 1 o'clock hour. Yeah, we'll do that thing. 4.25. 8.20 p.m you got to be kidding the NFL. It's got to be better than that. And there are flexes, and they didn't want to flex out the Jets and the Raiders. You could have easily plugged in San Francisco, Jacksonville, Houston, Cincinnati, had Cleveland and Baltimore. Would have been awesome in that time slot. But instead, here's what we got at 405 as well. Atlanta, Arizona. Good grief. Detroit and L.A. Chargers. That's actually not a bad game. Giants-Cowboys might be the worst of it all. Washington and Seattle? (sighs) Yeah, we'll make it through here, but you know why? The boys on pro football today got you covered. We love doing it on Monday night, Thursday night, and also Sunday. And we'll be back in action, of course, this weekend. Let's take a look at some of those NFL standings, people. Don't go anywhere. It's Moneyline.
1: Let's take a look at the NFL
3: here as we talk Carson Wentz to the Rams, as we talked Bill Belichick possibly getting fired if he doesn't beat the Colts this weekend. Survivor pool action, by the way, still alive for myself through nine weeks here. And it feels like I'm at a bonus stage, which is week number 10, because I do have the Dallas Cowboys alive to use as they take on the dreadful New York football giants at home. So looks like I'm going to need a bye week into week 11, and the fun starts all the way through. It's one of the longest times that I've made it through a survivor contest, and I did have some close calls, technically. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Washington Commanders, which had the Eagles earlier on in the season, not this last game, but they were up 14 late. or you know, It was the uh, game number one at Lincoln Financial Field where they needed an overtime field goal to win that game. It's probably as close as it got for me. Had a couple teams that were struggling a little bit, like the Seattle Seahawks. But the Dallas Cowboys should be an easy one. Looking forward to that little, you know, getting back to the sweat of it all. Because week to week, like last week I had the, you know, and by the way, credit to the Chicago Bears playing pretty good football at the New Orleans Saints with Tyson Bajit. But that game won, and it wasn't really a struggle in the end. They were up seven for most of the second half, and got a little interesting when they missed that field goal off the upright, which gave the Bears the football back. But they still won that game handily. And you should be able to get a handy and easy win out of the Dallas Cowboys this week. So here I am, still alive, ready to rock and roll. But my team this week, no doubt in my mind, already locked it in, is going to be the Dallas Cowboys to beat the New York Giants. All right, let's take a quick look here at some of the divisions in football. The AFC East, the Miami Dolphins currently sit right now in first place with a 6-3 and three record. Point differential plus 60. They just got bounced by the Kansas City Chiefs. They were down 21 nothing at the break over in Germany. They did make a nice little comeback to get it within seven points, but, I mean, really, it, it, it was, you know... The game that the Kansas City Chiefs just took the air of the football and said, there's just not enough time for you to beat us. Now, granted, the Dolphins had the football late in the game with a chance to tie it up in a terrible pass by two Tagovailoa, which probably was a case of miscommunication. It just looked really poor on his end. Like, he just like, oh, you know what? I had to throw it 30 yards, but I only threw it 15, so underthrew everything there. They're a favorite to win that division at minus 195 over the Buffalo Bills. I actually still think the Buffalo Bills win that division. Why? Because I think when the Bills play a decent football team, You know, at least they give it their best. Like, they played the Dolphins and Hulk smashed them already. So, I'm still going to think the Buffalo Bills win that division overall. Dolphins are two and one in that division, but the Buffalo Bills are one and two, and that includes. Tell us to the Jets and the Patriots. Like, if you just play competent football and you say, okay, we beat the Jets opening night with Zach coming in the football game three plays in. And then we beat the New England Patriots all as well, but it didn't. It's gonna make an uphill climb for them here. I haven't lost total faith in the Bills. I think there's a legitimate chance they win there. Jets stink eleven to one, Patriots four hundred and thirty to one to win that division. So you know where that stands here. Maybe the best division in football, right? AFC North, Baltimore Ravens seven and two overall, Pittsburgh Steelers five and three, Browns five and three, Cincinnati Bengals five and three. The Baltimore Ravens are on a four game win streak, so are the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, you got some key wins in that division, but think about the Ravens. That's 7-2. and two. And I know you can't take games away because we can play this game with the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, the Eagles should be undefeated. They shouldn't have lost to the Jets and thrown that interception. Yeah, I get it. Well, how about if the Cowboys convert there in the red zone late in the game? They lose that football game. How about if they miss that field goal from Jake Elliott from 54 yards in overtime against the Commanders? And the Commanders go down and kick a field goal and beat the Eagles. You see where I'm going? Your record is what your record is. You could have lost games on a simple play. You could have won games on a simple play. But that's what your record is here. Ravens should have beat the Indianapolis Colts at home with Gardner Minshew, a quarterback. They couldn't do it. They should have beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, which they had a lead against and just melted in Pittsburgh. They should have won that game. They should be 9 no, But they're not. They're 7-2. and two. Steelers, I, I, I shouldn't say I don't know what to make of them. They're minus 30-point differential at 5-3. and three. That tells you everything you need to know. They're not a good football team. Do I think they have a the chance to make the playoffs? Yes, just by default. But they're 10 to 1 to win at the division. They're tied for second right now. They're 10 to 1 to win at the division. Why? Because the Browns are better than the Steelers when healthy, and so are the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't really think that's up for too much debate here. Now, granted, that's me having a long shot on the Steelers to win the Super Bowl, which I just need them to make the playoffs to make some money. And they're technically in the playoffs if the season ended today, but it doesn't. But the Pittsburgh Steelers this week, they're going to win their football game, they're going to beat the Green Bay Packers. Steelers are going to be 6-3 and three after this weekend. But still, I don't think I have any shot to win that division because I don't think they're as good, as I said, as the Bengals or the Browns. For me, it's still the Ravens here. Minus 145 price. They're playing really good football. I picked them as my team, you know, mid-range to win the Super Bowl. Hundred-dollar bet there on a 19-18 or nineteen to one. I forget exactly what it is. I think it's nineteen to one that I got uh, down under ten to one. Now they're really good. and They're playing great football, and I think that's going to continue this weekend. They got a good game, good matchup against the Cleveland Browns. They hammered them before, but that was without without you know DeAndre or uh, excuse me Deshaun Watson at quarterback. So we'll see how that one plays out in that instance. But I do think the Ravens in the AFC North are going to be the team there. Jacksonville Jaguars, close it out now. Look, I love what the Houston Texans are doing. D'Amico Ryans, love what he's done as a head coach. C.J. Stroud, a legitimate threat quarterback in his rookie year. Fresh off a game where he threw for close to 500 yards and five touchdowns. I like where they're going. I love the direction. Tennessee Titans, maybe they found their guy in Will Levis. They're 18-1 to one to win that division. By the way, the Texans, 6-1. to one. The Colts, just not good enough, and we all know that at 23-1. to one. The Jacksonville Jaguars, far and away, are the most talented team in the AFC South. They should win that. Am I paying 470 to win the division? No, I'm not. But I have them wrapped up in a couple parlays before the season started to win the division. They're in control of that. And by the way, they're going to beat the 49ers Sunday. Yeah, they're going to beat the 49ers Sunday. How about this, people? Talk about the 49ers, the best team in the NFC, about to lose four games in a row. This is a really tough game for them. Both teams coming off the bye. You're going to get Debo Samuel back. I understand that. Maybe Trent Williams, your star left tackle, will be back as well. Jacksonville is going to give them all they can handle in getting three points at home. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars had the edge in that one. AFC West winner. Kansas City Chiefs, lock it down. Minus 800. They're the best team out there. They're not even the most flashy team anymore. They just win football games. That's what they do they just lost to the Denver Broncos, too. Yeah, I get that here. doesn't matter. The Chiefs have a very good schedule the rest of the way out. They play some good football teams, but you know where they get them? All at home, at Arrowhead. That's where you need to be. And they beat the Miami Dolphins in a quote-unquote home game in Germany as a step-up game for the Dolphins that the Dolphins just couldn't handle the Kansas City Chiefs. Got rocked, got punched right in the mouth, wrapped it up by halftime 21-0. The Chargers showed signs of life yesterday, but we know we can't trust them. We know we can't trust them. Punt return touchdown, defensive, you know, plays where you strip sack fumble run down to the 1-yard line. They didn't need any offense yesterday to paste the New York Jets. Still don't trust them. talented football team, maybe playoffs, yes. Raiders done, 36 to 1. Broncos 100 to 1, they're done as well. The Kansas City Chiefs, the class of the AFC West, no doubt about that. NFC, let's get to that. Philadelphia Eagles, minus 600. Pretty expensive price here to win the AFC, excuse me, the NFC East. Dallas Cowboys coming in with a five to one price. The Washington Commanders eight hundred to one, and the New York Giants. Hold on, am I get this straight here. Let me just, I me just—I can't really. You don't really see numbers like this: fifteen hundred to one to win the NFC East. Now, granted, we know they're not winning it, but my goodness, I'm still hanging a number there. Let me just do some math here. Let me say I put a two-dollar $2 wager down there. Wins three grand on the Giants to win the division. How about that? You want to waste two dollars and donate it? I get it, but my goodness, that just goes to show you how long the odds are, or the New York Giants to do anything here in this division. Now, if you're lining it up record-wise here, the Eagles are eight and one, best record in the NFL. Four and zero at home, four and one on the road. They only lost to the Jets. Differential plus one, excuse me, plus fifty-seven. The Dallas Cowboys are talented. They're five to one. They hung around with the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'll give them a little bit of credit for that. They didn't convert when they had a chance to win that football game. And the Eagles came up with the plays they needed to make to win. Dallas will be in the playoffs. Dallas will be a fun opponent here. Dak Prescott had a very good game, just couldn't make the right plays at the end. CeeDee Lamb is an absolute beast. And as long as you can get after that Eagles secondary, which includes their slot cornerback, you can do some damage. But they're not going to win that division. They needed to beat the Eagles here. Because what the Eagles, like, most of the time he says, oh, we don't have a walkover division. You do now. The Giants, we thought, would at least be competent coming into the season. They're incompetent. The Eagles already beat the Washington Commanders twice this season. And you already beat the Dallas Cowboys. So you got two free victories at the end of the season, talking about the Eagles against the Giants. Dallas is probably going to win that game at home against the Philadelphia Eagles. That's what you're supposed to do as a decent football team. Beat teams on your home turf. The Eagles should have pretty... They, put it this way. If the Eagles go in to beat the Kansas City Chiefs in two weeks, the Eagles are going to roll away with the number one seed in the NFC. But the questions come in is if the Eagles can beat the Buffalo Bills at home, which they can. Of course they can. They'll be favored to do so. But it's still a good football game that you've got to play your A game. You're also going to play the Dallas Cowboys again, as we said, at home. And also the San Francisco 49ers come to Lincoln Financial Field in a couple weeks as well. The Eagles have their work cut out for them. There's no doubt about that. But they should be able to win that division. Minus 600, though, I don't really know if I'm going to pay that because, again, the Eagles are about to run the gauntlet here to see if they can keep up. Detroit Lions, minus 800. It's shut down the NFC North. It's a wrap. It's over. It's done. The Minnesota Vikings, good little story here. Josh Dobbs isn't going to win any more football games. Now, as I say that with a little tongue-in-cheek, they're going to beat some of the bad teams like the Chicago Bears and, you know, the Green Bay Packers. I get that. But at the end, they're not going to be there. They're not a playoff team. You know, if the season ended today, they'd be right on that borderline of making the playoffs. That's just fool's gold here. They're not good enough at quarterback to get into the playoffs. The Green Bay Packers are an utter embarrassment and terrible, terrible team this year, specifically on offense. They're 31-1. They're not doing anything. They're going to get beat down. How about that? How many times would you say the Pittsburgh Steelers are supposed to beat somebody down? Yeah, they're going to beat somebody down this weekend. It's going to be. An epic beat down there on the Packers by the Steelers. Chicago Bears 210 to 1. You have fun with Tyson Bajan. Uh In the offseason, you'll probably get rid of Justin Fields. You have a hot couple high draft picks there. Turn that into a quarterback, then actually win for the franchise. Get yourself a brand new head coach and, and, and move along here. And if Chicago had, like if a city had to vote out, like the ownership group, it'd be a unanimous decision to vote out Grandma Bear and the McCaskies, immediately evict them from office. But that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But they're not going to win that division. They're going to have a new quarterback next year. But that's the Detroit Lions to win. And scene, as we like to say. NFC South. Price points here are pretty cheap. The Saints, I don't love them. But they're going to win that division. Minus 155. They're in first place right now. Atlanta is horrendous. The Bucs are horrendous. And so are the Panthers. The Saints are the most talented football team there. They should be running away with this division, but they've let some games slip away, which include a game to the Green Bay Packers, that they're up 17 to nothing, I believe, hendering into the fourth quarter and lost that one. But they're better. That 155 is a pretty cheap price. Before the season, I had the Saints winning 10 games. Not because I thought they were good, but the schedule absolutely stinks. It's terrible. It's easy. They should roll. So I think they win that division. End scene. Minus 155. The NFC West, it would have been a lot more fun if the Seattle Seahawks had gone on the road and, number one, beat the Baltimore Ravens. which you didn't think was going to happen, and it didn't. Uh, But at least held on. Played competent football. We had to step up game playing Baltimore and Baltimore. You saw what they did to the Lions. They hammered them. That was a carbon copy performance on Sunday of absolutely blasting the Seattle Seahawks. So when I see the 49ers on a nice little losing streak, and absolutely tied with the Seattle Seahawks at 5-3 and three in that division, I look at Seattle's that paper tiger, man. I don't, I don't think they're going to be able to get that done. There's still two games to play, though, in that division between the Seattle Seahawks and the 49ers, home and away. You've got a chance to sort of settle up with them. But just from what you see out of the Seahawks, yeah, they'll beat some bad football teams at home along the way, but when you ask them to play really good football teams like the Baltimore Ravens, and again, a full go San Francisco 49ers squad. I don't think they're going to be able to come out ahead. San Francisco 49ers win that NFC West at a minus 360 price. The midway in the NFL is here. And that's a summary of everything you need to know. Now we'll start cooking on. I mean, oh, Do you even need to cook on Thursday Night Football? What a terrible game. But the boys of pro football today will be live again in studio 7 to 9 p.m. on Thursday. I'm Donnie Wrightside. So I'll be right back after these words.
1: 21 plus only must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Final
3: segment of the day on a Tuesday afternoon edition of Moneyline right here on the Sports Grid Network. Donnie right side on a solo mission. No NBA action tonight. Get out the vote. Because apparently... If you watch the NBA, you're so distracted you can't vote on anything that's going on in politics here. So the NBA does us all a favor and doesn't play tonight, so everybody can just concentrate on one thing, and that's going out to get out the vote. So, you know, plays of the day, no more Major League Baseball as we get it. There's no, actually, you know what? There is football tonight, isn't there? Isn't there Maxion tonight? Let me slide in here. Yeah, we do. got some action tonight. Three games in maxion. 7-7 and 7-30. That is tremendous, people. Ohio-Buffalo, Ball State, Northern Illinois, Central Michigan, and Western Michigan. I used to love, absolutely love Maxion. As you have a triple header on Monday, excuse me, Tuesday and Wednesday. I just don't follow it anymore. So good luck to anybody out there. And I do see that, you know, it's falling on hard times here. Buffalo, 43-and-a-half. Ball State, 43-and-a-half. At least we got a 58 in Central Michigan, Western Michigan. Back in the day, as I like to say, a decade or so ago, these games all felt like they were 55 and a half and wild right to the end. So JP, get in here. Do we have any futures? Any NBA talk? I mean, where are we going on some best bets today? Let the people know about it.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Let's go ahead to tomorrow's action. Let's go under on Victor Wembanyama's points at 20 and a half on oh. Bet365. He doesn't profile well against a very physical Knicks team inside. Yeah,
3: let's see. What, and also, the Knicks do like to slow the game down. This is coming from Wemby, who went off a couple games ago to... Back to struggling, it feels like, again. But that's the trials and tribulations of a rookie player in the NBA. He still is a heavy favorite here to win the NBA Rookie of the Year. And I think it's just going to probably come down to if he's going to play the 65 games or not. But then also, Chet Holmgren, who's in second place here in the odds race, is he going to play enough here to actually get out the vote, as we like to say, for his 65th game overall? Had a lot of topics today, which include Carson Wentz back in the NFL to the Los Angeles Rams. Will the Patriots end up firing Bill Belichick if he does not beat the Colts? Ridiculous. Jim Harbaugh and the Big Ten, the fight that's going to take place there. And how about this weekend? Saturday noon kickoff, Penn State and Michigan. It's going to help decide the national championship and the Big Ten there. That'll do it for today's show. For JP, behind the wheels of steel, Donnie Wright set on a solo mission. I'll do it again tomorrow. See you later